0: guys, welcome back to the One Broke Actress Podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you episode 9 of season 5. We are just trekking along, folks. <laughs> we are getting there with this season. We are bumping along. We've had so many fun guests. You guys loved Leah's episode, which makes me very incredibly happy because I loved it too. And I have to tell you guys, the cutest thing in the world happened. Leah's dad wrote me an email <laughs> Um, and thanking me for the podcast, which was just really, really lovely. Uh, I know my mom listens to this podcast for no reason other than for me. So it's really cute that a guest's parents listened to the podcast just because. So Larry Hubner, thank you so much for your email. Oh, oh, a few paperwork things real quick. Number one, new reviews. Holy shit, we have four new reviews this week. Ari Annie, Deb Deb 1986, Olivia HW9, and Ekbo 27 thank you guys for reviewing this podcast well we're up to 105 do you think we could get it to 125 by the end of this season I think yes I think we have 9 10 11 12 I had to count to 12 that's four more episodes to go so if you still haven't reviewed this podcast I'm gonna say your name next week if you review it please do I think we can get to 125 by the end of the season guys I wanted 200 but like you know aim high shoot for the stars whatever that motivational poster is other announcements for this week. If you guys listened all the way through last week's episode, you heard we are doing self tape which is self-tape April, the name that I thought was really fucking witty when I came up with it. We are going to do a whole self-tape month. It won't be crazy. I'm not going to ask you do it to do it every day because I've done a 30-day self-challenge before and it was really hard and honestly I wasn't doing my best work because I was just kind of slogging through to get it done. So I'm going to give you more specifics as we go. Um, so stay tuned for that. But self-tape is happening. Make sure you're following at One Broke Actress on Instagram because that's probably where I'll do most of the updates. So that's a good place to keep an eye on. And lastly, paperwork for this week. We have two sponsors this week, ladies and gents. Of course, we have our fabulous We Audition. WeAudition.com. Use code BROKE25 for your discount of $7.50 a month membership. That's what I have, that's what I pay because I used my own discount code. (laughs) So you guys should get on there. I recommend joining because I'm gonna be on there every week during our self tape roll challenge so we can audition together. Um, I'm gonna make sure I post a fee of $0 so you guys just have a chance to read with me. So that's something I'll be announcing closer to the beginning of April of um, when I'm gonna be online every week and stuff to read with you guys. So like, let's do some acting together, right? And our second sponsor this week is brand spankin' new. Marta at Circumpunct Studio has offered us a special discount code for you guys as listeners. I was lucky enough to get to do a photo shoot with Marta about a week ago. She was fantastic. Her dog, Teddy, probably, I give him a 10 out of 10. He was the best. Um, we had so much fun. I'm going to be posting those photos all over Instagram, I'm sure. Uh, but Marta was awesome she takes fabulous editorial photos we did some really fun um, shoots like decade style we did some 90s we did some 20s to 30s it was a real blast um, so if you guys want to use the code one broke actress when you sign up to do a photo shoot with her she will include two additional retouched images which is a total value of $80 hello that's a lot of money you could like buy a whole workshop for that much money and get a new agent so instead save it and get two retouched images. <laughs> so if you guys check out Marta at Circumpunct Studio on Instagram, you can see her there. She also has the website, circumpunkstudio.com, so you can check out all of her images there and book your photo shoot through that. Make sure you use code one Okay, I think it's time to talk about this week's episode. I am thrilled to bring you guys this episode with Devin Balsamo-Gillis. First of all, She's awesome because I fucked up when we had our first recording session and I forgot a cable that connected the microphones to the computer, thus rendering the whole experience completely worthless. So she managed to meet me for a second time, which was awesome. Devin is going to teach us all about being a writer in today's TV market today. I know a lot of you actors are interested in this, whether it's just to know the background or a lot of you are actually interested in being a staff writer. Devin's going to talk us through the whole expansion from starting on a team, the different levels of being a PA to being a writer's assistant, to being in the room, to being a showrunner's assistant. She's kind of done it all. She's going to walk us through the steps, how you go from where and kind of what happens in a writer's room, which I think is fascinating. It's something we don't talk about very often. So Devin's going to tell us her her full story. She's going to give us a real writer's perspective on the world of acting and I think you guys are going to be very interested to see how much she has to hustle for her writing jobs just as hard as we have to hustle for our acting jobs. So without further ado, please enjoy Devin Balsamo Gillis. First things first, thank you for meeting me a second time because the first time I fucked up. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> I don't get to record during the day very often. It's usually been at night lately. So this is Mm. exciting. Uh, First of all, will you tell me how to say your last name?
1: (laughs) Yes. It's Balsamo Gillis. Balsamo Gillis. Yes. Okay. Fun fact, it means conditioner and servant of Jesus. That's that. (laughs) (laughs) What? Because the balsam tree in Italy is like where the extract from conditioner comes from. So Balsamo just means conditioner. And then, like Gillis is Scottish, this is less interesting. But
0: I'm shocked that this is not (laughs) some sort of marketed Instagram shampoo
1: yet. You could have a brand. You could have a full brand. That's a lot of work. (laughs) I know
0: it's terrible. (laughs) Okay, um, we're gonna talk kind of about your career and. I also really, really, really want to hit on today the parallels between uh, a writer's career and an actor's career because because I forgot a chord last week. We got to sit down and talk for like an hour, and it sounds like we have a lot of the same shit going on sometimes. And I think that actors sometimes get in a zone where they think that they're the only thing that has a hard life, and I just really want <laughs> to emphasize how that is not true, and we are truly all in it together. So let's start with why uh, are you you do mostly TV, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Why TV? Or is it just where you fell into?
1: Uh, a little bit of that. But mm-hmm. uh, when I was interning in college at a literary agency, I was you know, talking to my mentor there and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And she basically was like, TV is where the jobs are. If you want money, work in TV. So She's smart. I never looked back. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do feel like features... As great and sort of like akin to being a novelist, where it's like all romanticized, and you get to work alone, and you don't have to deal with people and all that kind of stuff. Um, and f- maybe for some people it's an easier entryway, but I, mm-hmm. I think I crave consistency. So <laughs> TV is a little bit, you know, you have maybe a longer run, you have a little more say. I'm also a control freak, so being mm-hmm. able to like have a voice on set sounds really appealing. It's I, mm-hmm, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So you went to school for writing. No, I, well, my school situation was kind of crazy, but I ended up graduating with an English degree from UCLA. Oh, okay. But while I was at UCLA, I was interning at a literary management agency that um, represented novelists to, like, sell their novels into adaptations. So oh, they cool. repped, like, Tom Parada for The Leftovers, uh, Nick Pizzolatto, True Detective, all that kind of stuff. That's um, fun. Yeah, and they're, they're amazing. I loved working there. They're now owned by WME. Um, but they're awesome.
0: How did you get that job, uh, during college? Uh,
1: it, well, they had an office in Westwood, which is where UCLA is, but I actually knew, um, one of the agents because her sister is my mom's best friend. I love, I love LA stories. I know. (laughs) So like it was, um, it was pretty uh, easy entree for me, um, because I knew her and we had a good relationship already. Cool.
0: Um,
1: but she was really tough, so a lot of people didn't make it. But uh, she gave me a backbone, and I loved it. And she she would kick me in the butt whenever I needed, which I really, I really love.
0: <laughs> what type of work did you do at that kind of office? Uh, I
1: was an intern, so I was doing uh, mostly coverage of novels. So I Will basically you what that is? yes, I basically would like go in. They would assign me a novel to read. I would read it. I would write a summary, and then give my thoughts on what worked and what didn't work, whether or not it should be a series or a movie. Uh, whether we should pass on representing the person or you know taking the project forward, uh, they only listen to the interns like so much. I but
0: was say, that's a lot of power.
1: I loved it. <sighs> oh my god! I if I could, I would just like r- I wrote book reports and it was so much fun. That's awesome. It was great. Yeah
0: it's kind of wild that that's kind of someone's career and it's the first hands. Yeah. It, are you the, well, the intern's intern, the first hands it goes to?
1: Um, well, they're, they they did not take any, un um, what is it called? Unsolicited submissions. So okay. there are from agents. So there is like, they're not just like any, not random. anybody submitting this okay. kind of stuff. And they had uh, a relationship with publishers. So maybe they get stuff before they hit, Uh, market and everything okay Um, so we were the first guard for this specific company but these would be projects that were like being shopped around so um, it was just a matter of like finding what worked for us not necessarily like is it good or bad because pretty much everything we got was good
0: so what this is an interesting like writing and perspective question what made us a novel good for a film versus television or not at all
1: uh, the trajectory of the story, like if, if, a, if you can see the story and the characters going beyond the scope of the book for two seasons, or there's a clear delineation of like, this is where season one would end and season uh, two would pick up, mm-hmm. um, or if it was just like a really like tight, insular story, those are better for film. Um, But now with like trilogies and everything, there's a little more wiggle room. Yeah. Um, But generally, in my opinion, I think that things with huge world building and like really interesting characters that don't die in the end uh, (laughs) make better TV. But then there's like thinking from a production standpoint, sometimes period pieces or, um, you know, stories with dual timelines, one in the past, one in the present. Uh, or and just like huge scope are, is too big for TV, so you need to be able to rein it in. Mm-hmm. So that would be better for film. So it's it's really about breaking down um, production, like how much would it cost to make it a movie? Could you do it? Um, you know, in in a producible way, and or could it carry five seasons of a show? Cool. And you can like extrapolate from it. So. It was really like project by project basis. And you could have two World War II stories and one would make a better show and one would make a better movie. And it really depends on the way the author has like crafted the characters. That's comes so interesting. That. Yeah. How
0: long did it take you to read each book?
1: I'm a really fast reader, so oh, I'm So jealous. <laughs> it would depend. I, was, I would be there like two or three days a week, I think, and I would probably read two or three novels a week. Wow. Yeah. What a
0: dream. I know. Okay, right? so you graduate school. <laughs> uh-huh. And you've had this job, so where do you go from there?
1: I started wedding planning, so abrupt <laughs> left.: ear. yes, i uh, I'm a contrarian, so everyone <laughs> was telling me I should be a writer, and I was like, "I'm going to do my own thing." Uh, and <laughs> I hated it. Um. This is really funny, guys, because
0: when we talked last week when I forgot the cord, we talked about how we're both getting married and how mm-hmm. we're both trying to be as low-key as possible.
1: <laughs> so you planned weddings. Yes. Which, to be fair, I didn't hate the the work of it and because it, it sort of like ticked my organizational control freak kind of aspect of it. Got to meet interesting people, uh, creating relationships with vendors, all that stuff, which all really translated well to working in production. Mm-hmm. Um, I just worked for like one boss that I just did not. Uh, click with and I did not think was worth um continuing I also was 21 and probably terrible so (laughs) you know two-way street yeah yeah (laughs) so did you decide while you were there that you missed
0: the world of writing and reading
1: I just knew I needed to get out and I was lucky enough to still live with my parents at the time Mm -hmm. so I had a you know a safety net that not everybody has and I totally acknowledge my privilege in that situation that's really cool um But I was so I quit in a spectacular fashion and then had no idea what to do. And then I just kind of was like, well, I had that voice in my head. TV is where the jobs are. So I started watching shows that I like and then just looking at the credits and Facebook messaging people who I could find. Shut up. Don't do that. Anybody? (laughs) It's a terrible idea. But I realized that uh, again. Speaking of privilege and luck, uh, the showrunner of Bates Motel, I used to drive her kids to middle school, and I never like knew what she did. She was the lady in the neighborhood who was mm-hmm. like cool, um, and so I messaged her and I was like, "Can I take you to coffee and like ask you about this and like what are these things? What are they? What do what are the tears? Like, how do I do things?" Mm-hmm. Um, and she was great. She took me to coffee and she was. The, the number one takeaway, she was like, you're probably going to be a writer's PA first and you need to be emotionally intelligent. So you have to know what you're going to do. You have to, like, read about what what those duties are. She kind of outlined them for me. Um, but she was like, read, because more people have better things to say than I do about it. But, like, you have to... You're kind of taking care of the heart of the writers mm-hmm. because you're in charge of food, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> it's a very big um, job. Yeah, so you have to be able to read somebody and take care of their, like, physical needs but also make them feel safe and heard, which when you're on the bottom of the totem pole is, like, a very weird power dynamic because you're both at the bottom but, like, are totally in control of a lot of things. <laughs> and if you abuse that, it's, like, gonna come down on you. But if you can, like, do it in a way that, like, people can just develop trust in you, mm-hmm. um, you'll, like, rise through the ranks. And so that was really interesting. And I kept, like, you know, going on these informational interviews like maybe three people responded of all the people I messaged so So you got a lot of if you got a Facebook message from me I'm sorry
0: (laughs) a lot of people might be checking their Facebook messages and being like oh yeah
1: in 2012 a weird girl I think that's the last year that I checked my (laughs) Facebook messages yeah exactly (laughs) um and so I just kept you know talking to people and trying to figure stuff out I also ended up getting an internship at Lawrence Bender Productions and there you know that that structure there was like lawrence was there and then he had like a development executive and then two assistants and then like an army of interns Mm -hmm. so the interns are basically running the show and that was a similar situation where i was doing coverage and giving my opinion but that was on scripts instead of novels so for me Mm -hmm. it was like much faster was it mostly features mostly features yeah he he has a um tv branch but we didn't actually work like we were on the feature side of that yeah We being being the interns. Mm -hmm. Um, And from there, I learned a lot about, like, what uh, is required of assistance and, like, what to expect and sort of what – how to navigate maybe a not, like, the friendliest culture. Um, And that was, like, a huge, huge learning experience. (laughs) Um, But I'm really glad I did it because it was, like, boot camp. -hmm. And I met a lot of great people that I'm still very close with today. Two of them are in my writers group. Oh, that's Um, cool. Yeah. And then, so uh, I was I was interning there, and then I was working at Lululemon to like make money, and then Mm -hmm. trying to just like get all these informational interviews that I could. And so a few weeks had passed since I got uh, coffee with Carrie, and she called me and said that her friend had a pilot going, and they needed somebody for like a week to come in and be a writer's PA. So I like went and I did that for a week and I was like, this is so easy. Mm -hmm. Like most of the time I would like get lunch and then have nothing else to do for the rest of the day. What
0: were your duties
1: other than (laughs) on on that pilot? It was just getting lunch. (laughs) And I was like, is this a real job? Like I'm (laughs) what is happening? And I called my dad because I was like, I'm scamming them. I'm scamming them because they don't need me. <laughs> he was like, they need you in case something comes up. Like, you're fine. You're the one that has the car. You can go in and out. Like, calm down. It's a week. So I was like, okay. It's like a job of waiting. Yes. So that was like, generally, I don't think pilots have writer's PAs. I think that, that she hooked me up in that mm-hmm. situation, um, which is really nice. That pilot didn't end up going, but... A few weeks after it was passed on, Carrie called me and said that they had an opening on Bates Motel to be the writer's PA. So she brought it's me like on she to Bates. You. She did test me a little bit, and I guess I passed. <laughs> um, but and Bates Motel was like just an amazing job. And my my first duty there was like setting up the offices. They were already kind of set up because it was the third season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like all of a sudden they were like, okay, get the desks for everybody, and I was like, oh, this is real things to do, yeah, ooh, exciting, and it you know pretty easy, but so it was fun, like a kind of go for like bring in desks, Mm -hmm. get coffee, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started before the writers started. Okay, that's really cool. There's a little bit of, like, a gap to set up and everything. And I worked with the writer's assistant and the showrunner's assistants um, to – and they basically were, like, you need no cards, you need this, you need sharpies. And basically, like, your weekly duties are, like, make sure everything's stocked, make sure the kitchen is nice and clean, like, keep – you know, Carrie likes Diet Coke, Carlton likes – Perrier, mm-hmm. make sure that's always there. Um, and then you just sort of are like maintaining the office and cool. then getting the snacks people want. Um, did you get to sit in on their there writing were, sessions at all? There were a couple times where the writer's assistant was out and I would cover and take notes, and I did a terrible job <laughs> at that because I didn't know how to take notes at that point.
0: Just in case someone doesn't know, so, a, so a PA was the duties kind of you described, like mm-hmm. keeping the office steady, giving people what they need, mm-hmm. food, drinks, that kind of thing. Yes. And then a writer's assistant, what is that specific? Writer's
1: assistant sits in the writer's room, which is usually its own room with the doors closed and the support staff not in it, in, mm-hmm. in a drama anyways. Um, writer's assistant sits in the room, take notes, takes notes on what all the writers are saying and pitching and everything. They, any any. Thing, any story beat that goes on a card goes up in the on the cork boards. Or okay. if you have a whiteboard, it's a whiteboard. Um, they write those beat sheets out. They make sure everything is clear and concise. If there's any research, they'll help with research. Um, depending on the room, they can sometimes pitch. Uh, that is a really important thing to know <laughs> if you're a writer's assistant is whether or not it's okay for you to pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like the boots on the ground in the room. Um, they're not doing any personal tasks or any sort of of the office administration stuff. They don't do any of that. It's purely like the creative uh, note taking and like managing of the creative side of it. Is that what you would consider the step up from the PA? There was in between. There's a showrunner's assistant. So okay. that's the showrunner is the person who runs the show, mm-hmm. who's uh, not always but often created the show. Uh, the person who's sort of the creative spearhead behind it who runs the room and then also deals with all the production needs day-to-day. And they're generally somebody that has had a lot of TV experience under their belt, and they'll have a showrunner's assistant who does, you know, all the calls, the schedule for them – you know, it basically acts, acts as a liaison between writers and production, so any of the production needs. Mm. and then also the studios. So they you know, if there's a studio notes call, they'll be on the call. Sometimes they'll take notes. Sometimes the writer's assistant will take notes. That's like based on showrunner preference, okay um, on those calls. Uh, and then but usually the showrunner's assistant is in the bullpen with the writers' PA. On base, uh-huh. we had two, okay. yeah, on base we had two showrunner's assistants because there were two showrunners. Um, and each of them had sort of specific needs and other projects that they would also work on. And then uh, so it was was me and the two showrunner's assistants sort of in the bullpen. Uh, so that hierarchy is writer's PA, showrunner's assistant, writer's assistant, and then sort of equal, but maybe a little bit higher because they get paid a little bit more mm-hmm. um, is then script coordinator, who is the one who proofreads. Does all like the production needs in terms of numbering and uh, you know formatting of scripts, mm-hmm. sends scripts out to everybody that needs them, and uh, releases new pages during production and everything, uh, and that is a very technical job. So they they're a little bit uh, higher than writer's cool. assistant. Yeah,
0: that is such good information. I feel yeah. like a lot of people don't know that hierarchy. <laughs> so when you were on that show uh what was that like for you did you feel like you were
1: getting closer to I loved it yeah oh my god it was first of all it was such great people to work with which makes all the difference boy that
0: sets your bar real high I know
1: (laughs) I was like I just loved everyone I felt very close to Carrie who brought me on I made really great friends I was learning a lot I was asking questions I was probably really annoying but you know I you gotta learn somehow hi Um, welcome to my podcast (laughs) We, uh, the other fun thing for that was that Carlton Cuse, who was the other showrunner of Bates, he had like two or three other shows going at the same time. So we would like, when, when I was doing stuff for Carlton, I would get to work with people on the other shows to sort of coordinate and everything. And so I became close with those writers, PAs on those shows, the casting people, um, just sort of like all the different departments, I was able to like meet everybody, which is very exciting because, you know, the whole, <laughs> this whole business is based on who you know.
0: Right. Um, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, your Facebook messages got you coffee with someone
1: you already knew. I know.
0: Like, that's the best <laughs> oh,
1: part. I'm embarrassed to admit that. Oh, I think it's the I best mean, part of the story. I love story. Carrie still to this day, but I'm embarrassed that I had no, I was so naive. Oh my God. I would never do that now. Yeah, but that's like, <laughs> the,
0: that's the miracle of youth though, right? Like. Why did I move to L.A. when I was 21? I had no idea what I was doing. I would never do that now. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're here, so it's too late. Now I'm here. We're too
1: far past it. Yeah. So Carlton had a new show going called Colony, and I met that other showrunner, Ryan Condal, just sort of as he was passing through the office, and we hit it off. We just got along really well. And then Ryan uh, promoted his assistant to writer's assistant and then he needed a new assistant so he tapped me um so I only ever did one season of writer's PA before I was a showrunner's assistant which is unheard of (laughs) like I just want to underline that like I again this luck and privilege and literally just like because my desk faced the elevator (laughs) like (laughs) is how
0: what is an average expectation for
1: that okay here's the thing the sort of general thing that people say is two seasons per position. So two seasons per writer's PA, two seasons per showrunner's assistant, two seasons per writer's assistant slash script coordinator, and then you're staffed. This is not true. <laughs> Break the myth. This, and it's because of these shorter episode runs. If everything mm. was 24 episodes, then maybe, maybe even one season, but, if you're looking at purely, like, how many episodes you need to get promoted, if you need 48 episodes under your belt to get promoted, I just hit that last year. And wow. I've worked on five seasons of a show – of shows. Yeah, because things Six, are, like, 8 maybe?
0: and 12, yeah. 15 episode counts yeah. now.
1: So the – and also, it like, that's – those uh, numbers, the two seasons, are, is if that's a single show because people – showrunners tend to want to hire people and then like kind of have them prove themselves to them Mm -hmm. too so they're more likely to make you do not make you do is not is not the right phrase but like you're more likely to have to do two seasons before you get bumped up again which means you need at least three seasons to get a bump wow which
0: it's it's tough and And you think about it not as many shows are going for right. that many seasons anymore right. because we're, what is it, 512 scripted shows going on right mm-hmm. now?
1: Yeah, and most of them, you know, the last show I was on was 13 episodes, but there was a mid-season split, so I only did half of the production. Wow. And then, which was seven episodes, and then the show before that was eight episodes, and I was on that for two seasons. So, like, that's, that's becoming the norm for me, which means I have five to six months off during the year, which is not what I want. But what do you do
0: in between shows? Because actors always have to find side jobs and try yeah. to exist and stuff like that. So, as a writer, or as someone who's working their way up in the mm-hmm. writers' world, what do you do between jobs?
1: Uh, I file for unemployment okay, because great. I am technically like let go, mm-hmm. so I do qualify. And because I'm an employee of this like production company, they pay into unemployment. Awesome. Um, I'm not sure if like. Actors are considered freelancers or anything like that. I don't think so. That we can. Most, unless yeah. you were like on a show specifically. Yeah. I don't know
0: of. Uh, I've I've actually been. This is something I haven't said on the podcast before. I filed. I did unemployment a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, but it was because I had a full time job before mm-hmm. and I left to film a movie <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was let go. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and when I came back, I filed for unemployment and I yeah. think it was. Oh gosh, golly, like four hundred dollars a week or something. Yeah. like Yeah, max which is, is four
1: fifty a week. Just. Um, barely
0: not even livable right
1: but so i file for unemployment and then i scramble to try to find something else okay um i i think that for me the sweet spot of living wage tenure on the show and like Le- least amount of time between seasons was showrunner's assistant, mm-hmm. which I have four seasons of showrunner's assistant experience, three seasons before I got promoted to writer's assistant, one season after I got promoted to writer's assistant because I could not get another writer's assistant job. Wow. So um, I know, and I have a friend that has three seasons of writers, or excuse me, three seasons of showrunner's assistant experience who is had to go for writer's PA interviews, because people are just – we're saturated right now with overqualified people and then who have to take one, two steps back to get a job.
0: This is fascinating yeah. because this
1: is the same thing that people
0: are saying to actors right now. Mm-hmm. They say it to people like me that there is so much content. How do I not have more credits? But let's talk a little bit about how that has changed and shifted in your world. Obviously, the episode count has Mm -hmm. changed. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like the same writers are consistently being staffed on
1: the same shows? It feels like that, but I can't actually, like, speak to that. Like, I don't have being like, oh, Mary from Bates Motel then was on this and then this and then this. Um, No one named Mary worked on Bates Motel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, So the thing the thing that makes it feel like that is the showrunners that have five shows on and then like their camp. And generally mm-hmm. generally the like you're not working like uh, Shonda for example, like the Grey's writers are not then working on Scandal because they're probably going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't watch Shonda shows, so I don't know if those are her shows. Okay. Um but Just an example. Yeah. So they're not running at the same time, but you sort of are only as good as your network. So Mm. that's a very insular network. So they're going to like sort of move in a pod. Um, So if, and and a lot of hiring is based on recommendations. So if, you know, one person goes over to another show and they need three more positions filled, they're likely to tap the people that they've worked with recently who they can vouch for. To bring over, which is not like a bad thing. And if you can get in there, great. Yeah, it's just the in. It's the in. And in terms of assistanting, it's, I think it's easiest to get hired off the bat as a writer's PA or a showrunner's assistant. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to get hired without having moved up as a writer's assistant because those jobs are so coveted and everybody in the, in the support staff wants that job. Oh, interesting. So so some people don't promote from within some people do um I think most people do into assistanting. but then the the jump from like assistant writer's assistant to staff writer maybe a little different story Mm -hmm. there's some studios that don't allow that um that hiring jump so there's a lot of factors that go into it so (laughs) wow yeah
0: I never knew all this stuff. Okay, so (laughs) what is it like specifically then to work for a showrunner? Because we always, we throw around the term showrunner so Mm -hmm. much these days and I don't really know if people know what that day-to-day is like. I think we think of someone like Shonda and Mm -hmm. we think of just the the gloss and glory of having 17 billion episodes (laughs) of Grey's Anatomy and 16 shows. Uh, So what is is a
1: showrunner's day like Mm -hmm. as someone who assists them? Um, I mean, it can be, it can be, Really different from like person to person, mm-hmm. and depending on what sort of things that they need. My first showrunner assistant job with Ryan Condal was he was so easy, and I was like, again, am I scamming him? Like <laughs> he's very self sufficient. Um, you know, like he would come into the room, which means he'd go into the writers' room, and then I wouldn't see him till lunch, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would be the one sort of fielding requests. From you know different product or different elements of production or the studio r- calls, approvals, things like that. um, and he very much liked me to be like a goalie, mm-hmm. so to like, you know, stop everybody from going in the room figuratively and literally right <laughs> and um, so he could concentrate on the writing, and then I would like make my list of like this is what costumes needs, this is what the studio needs, this is, you know, what your dog's medicine is <laughs> or, you know things like uh-huh. that he didn't really have me do a lot of personal stuff um but i would i would compile a list and then at lunch go over like all the things that he would need to do and he would tell me what we wanted to do and then so the afternoon was spent either doing the things or relaying whatever message it was um or scheduling you know meetings and calls and wow. things like that so that and that's before production starts. When production started he would be on set most of the time and I had a hang up about being on set. I felt like I was in a way a lot. Um so I would not really go to like set too a, much. A writer's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um so, yeah, I, was, I, I would sh- kind of avoid going to set, but our writer's PA wanted to be a director, so I would, like, sh- send him with, like, my little, like, notes in a bottle <laughs> to Ryan. <laughs> I'd be like, go find out He'll about would Be the this. messenger. Yeah. Um, and then in post, it was... Uh, this is why, like, I think that showrunner assistant is, like, a sweet gig, because you're on from the, when the room starts mm-hmm. through production to the end of post, which okay. is the longest run of any of the support staff. yeah. That's crazy. Um, yes. Because post can be way longer than filming. Right. So, yeah, because you're working on all the episodes at the same time. If it's CGI heavy, like Colony was, well, I guess it wasn't heavy, but, like, there was, you know, lots of... Consistent, yeah. ...to do. Um, it was a long time. So I basically... And we moved offices at that point because I was... Me and him were the only one in the office. So they, like, put me in, like, a weird sort of basement. And I was just <laughs> alone with, like, a pile of chairs. <laughs> This feels like a Hollywood <laughs> assistant sad story. Um, <laughs> and he chairs. would like, yeah, he you know, he lived on the west side and we were in at CBS Radford, so he didn't oh. like to come in all the time. I don't um, like going to CBS Radford either. <laughs> oh, I love it because oh, I do? don't even have to get on the freeway. Um, so I would like, if I knew he was coming in, I would like be there half hour before he got there. But I would also, I don't know if he knows this, so hey, Ryan. Um, <laughs> sometimes I would just not go in and just forward – stuff to my cell phone and then like you know i lived alone at the time and just sit in the dark which was like my favorite thing to do um (laughs) such a writer such a writer Um, but but and then post got like really slow so there's a lot of like downtime Mm -hmm. if if you have somebody that like like ryan is like a a new showrunner and this is his only thing going um and you don't necessarily have a lot to do. There's usually, like, once the show premieres, there's, like, press and stuff to Mm -hmm. deal with. Um, And then, so it it was fairly straightforward and a lot of downtime. So the other support staff and I did a writer's group where we would meet after work. And just share writing with each other and then work on that during work. So it was like maximizing every, maximizing having a desk and internet. That's And amazing. just like using, yeah, if you had like time, you're writing. time. Exactly. I,
0: that was my next question is, you, obviously, most people who are working in these positions, goal is to be a writer and most of them are working on their own things mm-hmm. and their own projects. Yeah. So how did you, obviously, you had some downtime between things sometimes mm-hmm. to do this. Uh, how do you keep other jobs steady
1: and make money and also get yeah. to do
0: your passion
1: thing? It's not easy. Yeah. Um, and some desks like allow for that more than others. When I'm a writer's assistant I'm in the room, I'm, I can't look at my phone, I can't do anything because I have to be present. And basically the way I do it is I transcribe what people are saying. So if I miss anything, I miss something. Mm. So during that, those days, I can't be you know using that time to work on my own stuff um is it a long day well i was lucky enough that our showrunner likes to do like 10 to 5 because she believes in the law of diminishing returns and it's I like after f- five people suck so go home
0: i also suck after five <laughs> everyone who invites me to your 11 p.m shows it's problematic go on <laughs>
1: um so that that was lucky for me um so that afterwards I would be able to do it. But most of the time I would actually, this is not a good thing to do, but I would not work on anything during the 20 weeks of the room. And mm-hmm. then during production, when my job would slow down as writer's assistant, I would use that time to just like go in and write, you know, two pilots. Yeah. Things like that. So there's there's on and off seasons. The most recent um, showrunner's assistant job I had on Pen15, I was on set all the time. And 90% of that show is shot on location. So there's not a desk. There's not internet. We're like in Griffith Park at 11 p.m. Like there was no writing happening. 16 hour days. Like it just wasn't. It just wasn't going to happen. Do you just accept that this is not yeah. the time in which you're going to get to work on your stuff? Yeah. So I had to put a lot of things on hold during that one, which like that experience was incredible. It was and great. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Everybody is just fantastic on that show. That was a different, very different showrunning assistant experience because I wasn't in the office with them. I was only I only came on for production, and the showrunners are also the actors. So yeah, that was a very different, um, a, a different day to day. Like there was no consistent day. So you were a showrunner's assistant on Pen Fifteen. Correct. Yeah. S- what was that like? Because that show was so unique. Mm-hmm. Was the, it, it felt said, like it feels like days. a student film because everybody is first of all no production head is, like, under 40, which is, I mean, sorry, every production head is under 40, oh meaning they're God. everyone's so young. Everyone is young. Everyone is so young, which is really exciting because you're, like, like, I didn't realize, like, the age bias I had in trusting people until, like, you know, the props person rolled up with, like, this amazing – shit and she's like my age and I'm like Marcy you're so cool <laughs> like you know it and makes it feel a little less atta- unattainable yes totally um also on the other side of that everyone is really green mm-hmm. so a lot of the like I had more showrunner showrunner assistant experience than Anna and Maya had showrunner experience
0: oh that is so funny did so, they ask you questions uh
1: not A little bit. Uh, They also were very, um, you know, aware and apologetic in a way that I didn't think they needed to be about how overqualified I was to do this job. So that's also rare. Um, I think that they're they're gems and they deserve the world and this season is going to be incredible. Um, But I think that a lot of, like, the challenges that we faced were, like, there were some, like, personal circumstances that we, like, couldn't get around of that is just, like, life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did, like, the absolute best we could considering. Um, but some of the some of the stuff is just, like, you're going to get better at, like, facing, you know, the hills that you have to die on yeah. as you have more experience. Um, but even even with being green everybody like totally smashed it and what was what was the
0: difference for you then in being on that set because it sounded like you didn't want to be on set before and so what made you feel
1: comfortable on this particular one literally uh I needed money
0: (laughs) (laughs) my favorite motivator of all time Devin (laughs) um
1: but I felt I immediately felt comfortable with everybody and Mm -hmm. And Anna and Maya made it very clear that it it was like, there is no other way to do this job. So there is space for you. So I think that that, I had a big, you know, I had a big block about there being space for me on set. Mm -hmm. And I was like, didn't feel uh, like I was a necessity. I felt like I was just kind of going to be annoying. Um, And the truth is that there are a lot of like unspoken rules Mm -hmm. that, some people are like oh if you get it you get it if you don't you don't and like if you don't get it you're going to be you're never going to go anywhere but like you would get it if someone just told you but nobody tells you <laughs> just lay it out so um so the fact that a everybody was young and like s- closer to my age made it feel more accessible and less judgy that everybody was green like me
0: cuz it's not like you're walking into a high school cafeteria where everyone's like oh she's new right
1: Everybody, everybody was was so nice. Yeah. Yes. And, and that Anna and Maya were like, if any, like, nobody's going to give you a hard time, but like, fuck them if they do. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we need you here. And that was like, that just they, them knowing what they needed and that clarity and feeling very comfortable with them off the bat. And the other, you know, other support stuff that I was working with um, because we all just became like crazy instant friends, which was really lovely Um, and rare. That doesn't happen a lot. Mm. Um, But that made it much easier for me. And I still like so now I have. A a huge amount of set experience, which is great to sell me, you know, as a staff writer because people want people with set experience because with the short orders, a lot of people don't get to produce their own episodes anymore. Ah, So. Okay, cool. Yes. So since you had that set experience on that particular
0: show, which Mm -hmm. was just such a big hit across the board, Mm -hmm. did you notice anything about the way that actors existed on set in comparison
1: to other people in production? That is a really unique show to ask that question about because mm-hmm. most of the actors are kids. So yes and no, uh-huh. because they had to go to school. They had to have parents there. Yeah, like, they there's, did like tutors and mm-hmm. stuff, right? There's a, ro- a lot of rules surrounding kids and how long they can work and everything. But also because the showrunners were the actors and then sort of their parent like Maya's mom is her real mom. I know that was so funny. Yeah. Oh my god, (laughs) Mutsi is so. Oh, she's amazing. She she would like actually feed me food. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good mom. I know she's such a good mom. Um, So it was very. Everybody was very like inter intermingled. There were some you know harder parts for the adult actors because they were getting into more emotional stuff Mm -hmm. and. They would be working, you know, between takes on getting their their relationship to, to the right place, and everybody respected that. Everybody gave them space. Um, you know, that's their process, and to and they didn't want to have like the hangout time yeah. to get there, which was, you know, totally fine and fair. Anna and Maya faced a specific challenge because between takes, they would have to answer a bunch of production questions about other episodes. Um, and sometimes they would just have to be like, okay, I need to time out. Like, I'm, I'm taking lunch and I'm not going to answer questions, mm-hmm. um, which is totally fair because that they're doing 50 jobs and I don't yeah, know how they did that at all. A wild undertaking. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... It was definitely like more um more democratic because it was such a fun set. Mm-hmm. Um and I think a large part of that was because there were so many kids around That's all the time. So cool. Yeah. And which is fun. Like they were just great showrunners
0: to work for, which mm-hmm. just makes me happy. Yeah. How do you stay focused on doing a good job but also being creative for yourself? Like getting your writing done cuz that's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to do I I find it challenging to have mm-hmm. a bunch of side jobs and be very good at them and then also at the end of the day come home and work on a character and work on this. Yeah. So is there any systems you have in place or anything you do to keep yourself working on your own writing?
1: I'm a Virgo, so I can't not do my best. <laughs> like I get anxious <laughs> if I feel like I haven't given it my all. Um so no matter what I'm doing, how invested in the show or whatever whatever my day job is, I am there mm-hmm. to you know for better or worse because sometimes you you know take on things emotionally that you don't need to take on, um, which is very true for myself. But I also like I think for me it goes back to on set being going back to what Carrie told me as being emotionally intelligent and like I'm I find motivation in caring for people and I think that assistanting is caring for people and then when I'm working on my own stuff that's caring for me so I think that it's just like people are there's a huge self-love moment going on right now which is great and my self-love is like having a creative outlet so I I actually like try to not get so hard on myself if I'm not doing it because that's that's sort of my struggle more than like motivating myself Mm, um is that I just get hard on myself if I like can't make time for it so I'm trying I'm trying to be better at that but there it's like there's seasons there's times when I can do it there's times when I don't there's times when I'm like I don't have any ideas there's times when I have a million ideas I find that ideas come when I work more so I'm I'm like a creature of inertia. If I'm going, I can do a million things. If I'm, it's harder for me to write on hiatus than it is during a show. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Which, because that's the best time because I don't have any, that's not true. Actually, I fill my, I fill my days because, (laughs) because of the inertia thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So a part of that was, you know, starting a writer's group with my friends that I interned with seven years ago. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that. Yeah, and just giving deadlines and it's we meet uh every 2 weeks and we rotate who turns in pages. I had to like put a pin in it when I was on Pen 15 because it was I just I couldn't write anything, so I would email my notes and also I wouldn't get off in time to meet, you yeah. know, in the evening. So, I would email them people my notes, but not I wasn't able to contribute anything, so now I'm able to contribute again, and it feels so good. Awesome. Yeah. So this
0: is just like a self-made group. You mm-hmm. guys get together. Yeah. You write. You submit pages yeah. to each other. Yeah. it's great.
1: Yeah, it's great. My, um, it started because I was on, I was writer's assistant on Dirty John, and I brought my friend Deanna on as showrunner's assistant, who was one of the people I interned with. Mm-hmm. So... You know, stay friends with (laughs) with people. Um, Not that I'm like, oh, Deanna, you need to thank me for everything. No, she's great and she does fine without me. I just wanted to work with her again. No, there's like a lot of it's,
0: but this is how it goes, right? Like, you work with someone, you're like, I want to spend time in an office with you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's because you want to surround yourself with your friends anyways. Yeah. So, and I love her. So, Uh, so there was one night where she, myself, and then our other friend Tierney got together, and we were like talking about how hard it is to, like, self-motivate and, like, Mm -hmm. get everything. And so we were just like, let's do it. Let's get it done. Let's do it. And then, like, Tierney, God bless her, was the only one that was like, okay, we're going to do it. (laughs) 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 And then she, like, wrote all the rules and everything. And, like, um, we all were, like, tasked with, like, recruiting people. And all of our people except for the people that Tierney (laughs) recruited fell through. So (laughs) there's five of us. But one just left to go to medical school, which we're so proud of her. But, you know, we miss you, Alyssa. Oh. That's cool um, though. I know. And I was like, "Medical school is your backup plan?" <laughs> okay. That is revolutionary. Yeah. All right. I like it. Yeah. I and like she's she's interests. super talented too. So it's it's yeah, very diverse interests. Um but that has been like hugely helpful to me. Mm. Um the other thing that sort of as I was Shoner's assistant on Chance, I became really good friends with our writers pa emma there and we were like let's do something like we have downtime let's let's work on something uh so we decided to do a short film and that was like two and a half years ago that we sort of like had the idea percolating and it we're now like doing the festival run so it was a long awesome. a long stretch because we were all, everybody had full-time jobs working on it um
0: like that's how it goes with passion projects. Yeah. You can't do it get it in done in right. six months. But that like it would, would be time. like
1: yeah. I would be writing, you know, writing a draft, Emma was directing it. So then we would like meet for an hour a week after work because we were already there working on it. Um, and then we like have little like production meetings at like the cafe at Paramount with like people we brought on i don 't know if I that's love allowed, but <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's fine. Um. I'm, not, I'm not a member in this studio that we're in right now
0: either uh, I love this because it's a way of self motivating A mm-hmm. lot of actors uh, want to write, and I know a lot of actors who do write mm-hmm. and a lot of actors think that they should write mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that if you, if, if you can't define the time or find the idea.
1: I, I just, think the, the the idea thing kills me because it's like everything is an idea. If you had a feeling, if you stubbed your toe this morning, make that something. And like that's how you find your voice. The way you tell the story is more important than the story. Maybe not. But like I get what you're saying, y- you know, like there's there's something to be said in every stupid mundane moment and if you can find that and find the beauty of it, that's why Pen Fifteen is so successful because they take things that people suppress or like stupid little moments that people don't think about, and they made a whole show around it. That's so awesome! So it's like you can you can kind of do anything, and the and you're not gonna like know if you can or you can't. You probably can't when you start, but <laughs> <laughs> um, and to, unless you do it, I don't. I don't have. This is like the other side of the Virgo coin for me is that I don't have a lot of patience for people that say like, oh, I'm a writer, but then don't write because then I'm like, you're not because like you can't even say you're an amateur if you're not doing it. And I think the emphasis on that is
0: that you you don't have to be writing for a network or for a film
1: studio or for something. You just have to do it. It's like a state of being. And... (laughs) <laughs> for me, anyway, I'm getting all pedantic and annoying now. Nope, that's but <laughs> I like it. I do, I like <laughs> I it. I also think that writing, like, so so many aspects of filmmaking, like acting, like directing, all that stuff, you require so many people to, like, be able to get you to be able to do something, and writing is very pure, and, like, you only have to rely on yourself um, to a point to, like, get something done, but, like, if you need a scene for your real, write a scene for your real. This is my, one of my best friends is an actor, and she was in my short and she was like, I need a scene for my reel. Like I wrote something that's terrible. Can you look at it? And I did a pass on it and then they shot it. And it's one of the best things I've seen her in ever. I'm not because of my writing yeah. necessarily, <laughs> but like because the the core of the story was something that was really personal to her. Mm. And so it's like she, it would have been much harder for me to get to that point if she was just like, can you write a scene for me by yourself? Um, and, but so she she took that first leap and you know it, the more she does it and the more she practices and the more feedback that she gets um the better that she's going to get it's like your first 50 things are going to be terrible yeah so you can say that about most of the get them get them done I did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah like check that number in the box what else do you think actors need to know about a writer's perspective cuz like i said in the beginning i feel like we put everyone mm-hmm. behind the camera in this mental world of they get to work and we just have to sit at home and hope for the jobs. And I think you're proving by doing this that that's not how it is. And you're also just trying to get the next job and mm-hmm. and get to the next
1: place. So what else do actors need to know about writers? I think that um, of all the uh, sort of crafts that go into filmmaking, acting, and writing are the closest... Um, I think that both require a huge amount of vulnerability and responsibility, um, in a way that not, you know, isn't there for a lot of other things. We're the ones dealing, both of us are the ones dealing with like the emotional core Mm -hmm. of whatever we're talking about. Uh, So, you know, I know that there's, there's sometimes that like, um, feeling of, like, writers get annoyed at actors and vice versa. Um, and I think that comes down to communication, like, any relationship. But it's I think it's, too, because it's such a similar job. Um, so when things are, like, a little too similar and you don't have the tools to communicate with, like, your coworker that's there for three days... <laughs> Which is a really hard, you know, task to overcome. And listen, three days is a really good job for an actor. <laughs> it truly, like, especially in TV land. Yeah. Um, I think the thing, though, the the differentiation, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I do words. Got there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> is that uh, actors, I think, uh, are you know, focused on their role, their storyline and their arc, which is great because it's going to give it from my perspective, because I like working with actors, gives new insight to things that I might not have picked up on or bringing new stuff that is exciting to me. Um, the thing that I'm doing is I'm doing that with everyone. So sometimes it's a matter of like, this person brought something that like negates the thing the other person brings, um, and so there's there's a little bit of like personality management, yes, there that personality management should be like left to the director if you're talking about like on a on a film film set mm-hmm. or a TV set, but if it's if you're doing a short, you know, it's sort it's almost <laughs> who talks to me first. Yeah, um. well,
0: a lot of times it's writer slash director slash casting right. director on these indie. Yes.
1: Films. Uh, And, and it's, it's also person specific. So sometimes it's like, if you have a vision and they're not, they're not budgeable, then like, you know, butting your head against that wall isn't going to get you anything. For me, I'm like, part of the beauty of this is that it is so collaborative and they're like, I learn something from everyone I meet. So Mm -hmm. I want, I want people to bring me things and like find new things. I think that, it's the it's the macro versus the micro view of it. And sometimes the macro can feel overwhelming or if you know, if something in the micro is like bring brought up, it can feel um uh, like oftentimes I think the knee jerk is to trivialize that, which is not fair. Um and not always right, but it is there are some times where maybe like maybe balance like what
0: what hill you're gonna die on yeah yeah yeah. um
1: so it's it's just like a tricky like case by case scenario and I think the way that you can find out like who you're dealing with is to find out who you're dealing with like Mm -hmm. ask where the boundaries are and then if you're not okay with those boundaries you know evaluate and if if they don't want collaboration, then it becomes a job. If they do want collaboration, then you can put a little you know more of your heart and your perspective in it. I love that yeah, I think i mean it's 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 hard, and sometimes I don't know exactly going into it what I want and what I'm open with mm-hmm. um, I also think that if somebody's um there's a lot of passive aggressiveness where it's like you know so I might ask for one it one way but be open to doing it other ways but if there's only one way given as like a passive aggressive like no i don't want to do it your way i'm not going to listen to you next time you know uh-huh, so it's uh-huh. there's a give and take you have to do the a good job you have to do the work um but sometimes it takes a conversation to be able to do a good job so it's like cutting out the conversation and like getting getting to the heart of like what the character wants and like what the motivation is is so important. So I think it's important for actors and directors to talk to each other and the writer and just, like, get into it. And get a little clarity, too, because mm-hmm. sometimes just getting all on the same page
0: will yeah. solve everything.
1: Yeah. I also, though, like myself, I'm not precious, so I very am very open to things, mm-hmm. and sometimes too open, because sometimes <laughs> then I get a little jerked around. Um, but I... Th- I strongly believe that like collaboration makes things better mm-hmm. so if there's something that I'm really going to fight for I'll fight for it and I will tell you why um and then if if I like an idea I'm going to put it in the script Cool. so it just it depends there's there's one on my in my short it's like a it's a story about like five female directors that go to a studio fellowship, expecting to like compete to win to direct the next big blockbuster. But when they get there, it's a fight to the death. So <laughs> it's a it's a you know thinly veiled metaphor for say, the wow. experience. Um, but there is one one scene where we opted not to put the scene in where the contestants find out what they have to do because. We had 10 minutes. It opened up the world too much. Like from a production standpoint, it was a scene we'd seen. It wasn't the point of the short. Mm -hmm. So we were like, people will get it without it. But the way I sort of like balanced that out was that when the one person was like deemed victorious, she goes to the studio representative and said, why did you make us do this? And that's the only time that is like, this is, they didn't turn on each other. Like this is forced. Um, and so, but our actor kept saying, why did you have us do this? And that was the only time where I was like, you have to say it word perfect.
0: See, I think that that's, that's important to point out too, because mm-hmm. we have a lot of actors who listen to this, who might be new to working with that kind of specific dialogue, but that's a completely different sentence to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, cause the meaning of it is is different. yes. and from um our actor's standpoint, her character was very sweet, very open, very trusting. So from a character standpoint, it did make sense to like, why did you have us do this Because it was much gentler. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you just went through the fucking ringer. And this is her fault. And this is the only time that we say this in the whole thing. So like from like now your character has changed, but also, from a, from a production standpoint, we need that. We need
0: that. <laughs> but that's also fun. It's kind of, I get, it's fun for actors to bring their own stuff to it. But to me, it's super fun to see what someone else put on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, the writer wrote this. Not that I think every writer's words are 100% like,
1: Right. I don't believe that at all. Sorry, (laughs) Aaron Sorkin. No,
0: he does love his. Um, (laughs) But I think that it's kind of for me, it's fun to look at a script and say, oh, you know, this this character says, oh, gosh, instead of, oh, God, Mm -hmm. like that is huge. It Mm -hmm. informs the whole character. So I think it's it's really good to have a clear perspective on what you are bringing along with what a writer is bringing. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, that's the fun part for me. Yeah. Okay, last question. Okay.
1: What are you watching? Ooh, okay. Uh, love Island. <laughs> oh my god. One hundred percent. Not what I thought you would say. <laughs> um, I've really been enjoying Lock and Key, who, which they is a Carlton show. So oh, great. So I feel you know close to it, even though I didn't have anything to do with it. Um, you is great. I Love you. I love you. And I'm late to the game on this, but I just finished the uh, second season of Big Little Lies, mm. and there's like a question about like the necessity of having a second season. Um, also, <laughs> because the show that I worked on, Dirty John, like <laughs> lost out on Golden Globes to them because they were originally a mini series and then they got to <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. a regular series, so they like uh, loopholed the awards system, which, like, you know, they deserve. You do what you do. Um, But I I had sort of been taking a reality TV break because when I'm writing, I don't like to be influenced by other things. Okay. So watch a lot of things. And I'm very much, like, drama writer, so I'll watch comedies, but, like, just I'll dip into Bob's Burgers or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, So I've been taking, like, kind of a big narrative break, but, like, diving back into big little lies. And then, you know, on the other side – lock and key which is like much more like fun teen kind of fantasy stuff it's so nice to be back like <laughs> <laughs> in like in the narrative land. world yeah and just getting lost in that it's T- good it's a good yeah. mix of both i mm-hmm. like i
0: like a little vanderpump rules i like real yeah. housewife and
1: i like you know a netflix special yeah exactly <laughs> oh i also really like the bon appetit youtube channel oh oh just fantastic really yes okay so good My not at all like what you know what i read a lot so I read a oh, lot of great. books. Okay, great. And that, what are you reading? So, I love uh, recommendations. Are, I'm, I'm in a book club because this is the thing where I fill my days. Yes. Uh, and the next one I haven't started yet, but is The Princess Bride. Did you know that was a book? No. Yes. <laughs> Cecilia. <laughs> <laughs> she just goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so no, we're going to start that. We just finished That's The funny. Power by Ooh Naomi Alderman, okay. I think. Loved it laughed cried felt empowered so incredibly cool it's like a book about how if young girls suddenly got the power to like conduct electricity through their palms i heard of this oh my gosh it is fantastic so as someone who used to work at a place that made these choices do you think they're gonna make that into a show i think now i think in 2012 they would have made it a movie but now i think they'll do a show
0: yeah it sounds like a show to me
1: yeah because it's like it's it's a it's the the concept is a world and they, they follow five or six characters. Mm-hmm. So you have so many people to work with. Oh, that's so fun. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, I would hey, I would love to work on that.
0: Okay, great. Well,
1: <laughs> I would love to be in it. Universe? So we'll Let's wrap do this it. up.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you some more questions specifically in our little like quick questions video sure. that's going to be on Instagram if you guys want to check it out. But is there anywhere else you want to direct people to, to your short, to your podcast, anything oh. else you have going on?
1: Yes. Uh, short, we're still in the festival circuit, so it's Kay. not online yet. Uh, I just started a true crime podcast with my friend Asia. Oh, yeah called DNA, a true crime podcast for Devin and Asia. Uh, we air Tuesday slash Wednesday in that sort of nebulous nighttime region uh, biweekly. So right. check back for that. We're on iTunes, Google Play, and another one that I don't remember. I'll link it. Great. Uh, and watch, watch out for Pen15 because that's going to be great. Watch out for Dirty John season two because that's also going to be great. Um, that's that's that I think great yes for now yes
0: So <laughs> <laughs> we make a show together okay all right guys I will talk to you in just a bit and that brings us to the end of today's podcast Devin thank you so much for sharing everything with us that was really eye-opening to me because I honestly don't know a lot about the world of writer and I am constantly impressed with anyone who is hustling their ass off in this business so thank you so much for your time both days (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode next week we have Jenica schwartzman coming on to talk all about how to make an indie movie short film feature all of it she's going to cover everything step by step I was so impressed with her on the episode and all of her knowledge base and she's going to bring it all to you next week. Thank you so much to this week's sponsors. We Audition, use code BROKE25 at weaudition.com for your $7.50 membership. It's so awesome. If you guys sign on, please use that code. It makes a huge difference to the site to know where people are pushing from. And also this week's first time ever sponsor of Circumpunk Studio. When you book your session for your next editorial shots and the gorgeous photos that marta takes tell her you heard about it through one broke actress and you will get an extra two shots a discount code of 80 dollars after your photo shoot this podcast was created and hosted by myself sam valentine with true production help from cecilia tripp at laurel canyon creative our theme song is from the magnificent maggie zabo and i will talk to you guys next week